sessions is uh, former city player and local media pundit now Gary Hours and a regular on the podcast and oft used contributor on uh, Radio uh, Bristol. Uh, Ian and Gary, morning guys. Uh, all, all looking forward to a nice summer I guess, yeah? Yeah, good morning David. Yeah, football season's over so I've got to try and keep myself occupied and busy for the next couple of weeks. So, um... yeah, And you're looking very summery uh, Ian, uh, those that can see you, which is only me and Gary, but you're there with your t-shirt on so uh, you, you've wound down already, yeah? There we are mate, it's the Bristol City t-shirt as well. Oh, there you go, there you go. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I'm ready to go. I mean, it's nice to be able to watch some, watch some football games and watch it in a completely relaxed, non-partisan way as a neutral and not mind too much who wins. I mean, apart from, I'd, I'd like to see Liverpool win the Champions League, I've got to be honest. And I'd like to see um, Man City win the Premier League because it'd be, a, absolute, it'd be an absolute stinker if they lost today, Liverpool won, and Man City come out of this season with nothing. Well, and the other thing today, though, yeah. I'd be putting my mortgage on Man City, or my house on Man City, because apparently somebody told me this, I don't know whether you've heard this as well, Gary, that um, Aston Villa pick up 15 million quid as part of the Grealish deal if Man City win the title. So there's a bit of yeah, a, a bit I of think, a conflict uh, there, isn't there, for Steve Gerrard? Well, yeah? Steven Gerrard will be trying everything in his powers, I would think, for Aston Villa to get some sort of result. Because if they get a draw as well and Liverpool win, Liverpool still win, don't they? Is that right? Uh, I think you could be right there, yeah. I think yeah, you could so be right. I've just got a little sneaking feeling that Villa might get a draw against Man City. Oh well, you never know. Case, uh, before before we talk about Bristol City, Gary, yesterday yeah. you were uh, were at Wembley, the club that uh, you played for so many games uh, before you came to City for that uh, period back in the nineties. Uh, you were well pleased yesterday with that result. It was only one team in it, really, from the office. Yeah, it was a great day. I mean, I've got to be honest. You go to Wembley and whatever thirty-seven tickets, thirty-seven thousand tickets sold to Sunderland fans. And there was more than that. You know, you talk about 40, 45,000 spectators, unbelievable support sat amongst them. Um, massive club found themselves in a division that they shouldn't be in. So I was pleased for the supporters, really, to see them to get out of the division. I'm really pleased because I can't wait for Bristol City to go and play up at the Stadium of Light next season. And I can't wait for Sunderland to come to Ashton Gate, two clubs that I've got massive affinity with so before you ask us I want two draws next <laughs> I wouldn't put I either wouldn't put side you <laughs> I, think I wouldn't put you on the spot sort of, like that do you yeah, think they've people, got do you think they could go do they got the potential to sort of go top six straight away you know because they've got money well who knows if they've got money find out in the summer have they got potential of course they've got potential because the side of the size of the stadium and the fan base um, but I, I think it, you come up from that division, it's, it's about consolidation. I'd be very surprised, and I would be, 
if if they were up and around the top six first season back in the championship. Yeah, I mean that's what I think because they are a big uh, big club. Okay, let's look back on twenty one twenty two from Bristol City perspective. Uh, Ian, if uh, this time last year or beginning of August, start of last season, you'd have said, you know, seventeenth in the table, slightly better than last season. We'd all be happy with that, wouldn't we? After the dreadful end to the 2021 season, so it's not so bad after all, really, is it? Or was it? Um, I think we underachieved for the amount of talent in the squad. Um, it, we'd, we'd have finished 18th without Darby's points deduction, and the the thing that surprised me last season was the number of goals we scored because I did an analysis at the start of the season and worked on every player's average goals in their career. And we were coming up at about 43 for the season. Now, there were some in there that obviously had played a huge number of games and hardly ever scored. I remember Danny Simpson had played something like 347 games and only ever scored one goal. Um, so, but no, I was, overall, I was disappointed given the talent that exists within our squad. And, and, and I looked at clubs like... Forest, Luton, Huddersfield, Coventry, Coventry. No what one. I call the well, what I call the non-parachute clubs. If you yeah. look at clubs that finished up in the playoffs, and after twenty games, they were seventeenth, fourteenth, uh, nowhere near the top six. So they picked up as the season went on, and I think, as I said to you the other day, we've got five or six players that would absolutely walk. Into Luton's first. Okay, all right. Not more. Ian, so let's get, we're going you know, over, the overall. I was overall. I was. I, I'd have to say I was disappointed with with that seventeenth place finish overall. Uh, Gary, Gary, what do you think? I mean, the season before ended so abysmally, twenty twenty one. There was only one way to go from that. And you know, if you iron out, well, if if you look at it, you know, the goal scoring, as Ian said, if we'd have ironed out not conceding so many points, never mind late points, but just points from winning positions, a high number. But if you just add in another 10, it's a comfortable mid-season, mid-season finish. But, you know, stats don't lie. You know, we scored 62, let in 77. You know, good season or bad season in your view? Um, average season. It, it's, yeah. it's not good because I think the expectations should be better. The infrastructure at the club, it's been put in place to, to try and get promotion, hopefully, with the training ground in the stadium. I, the, the, I mean, the season before last, the end of the season was a disaster. And watching the young kids that would be throw, thrown in a little bit early um, because of the injury situation, and weren't just getting beat, they were getting beat three and four, and um, that was a worry. So the talk at the start of the season was about um, making sure that City stayed in the Championship and, and the dead... Um, early season home form was terrible and I think Ian will put us right here I remember Ian coming on Radio Bristol early in the season and projecting that Bristol City would get 16 points at home based on what how they'd started thankfully they, um, they found a bit of, of home form and um, got many many more points than that at home I would think without doing the, the calculation off the top of my head and certainly there was a point mid-season. I think the game that sticks in my mind, Company City away, where they got beat, um, playing against 10 men, where I thought we could be in trouble here. But they rallied a little bit. Um, and seeing how 
the end of the season was probably where they found the most form. You know, a couple of back-to-back victories, which was the first time they've done that. Three wins out of four or whatever it was. And um, thankfully, more than safe and didn't get involved in any relegation fight, but never really threatened the top of the division either. Yeah, yeah. Ian, uh, summer transfer activity last year, what would you give that out of 10? I mean, it was, like I guess, like any... Summer transfer, you know, you get some good and you get some bad, but we have a habit of getting uh, certainly indifferent to bad in in most cases. Yeah, I'd give the activity four out of ten. Um, some of it was bad luck, but I think some of it was uh, predictable and should have been avoided. Um, I think, I mean, Danny Simpson was a very strange signing. He came in on a short-term contract at the end of what Gary's described, and I agree with him, is a, is a disastrous end of the season. Uh, he played for a bit, then he got injured and he was out for the season. Uh, one of 21 players at one point we had injured in, in, in that season. Um, and they were all long, they were long-term injuries as well. Nobody was getting knocks and nickels. It was all, oh, he's done his hamstring and that's the last we'll see of him. Um, so Nathan Baker has had a terrible injury record at, at Bristol City, even in-game, the number of games he's, lo- he's left before half-time. Um, and, and to be honest, I've said this before, if I was, uh, I'm too old to have a favourite player, but if I had a favourite player, it would probably be Baker um, because he, I think he's, he's what you need in that position and a fine defender on his day, but the poor lad just can't stay fit. And that was very predictable, but we gave him a two-year contract. We don't know if, if Nathan's going to play again. Please, God, I mean, my main wish is that he's healthy. I don't mind if he doesn't play again. I, I just want him to be healthy for him and his family. Um, Andy King tore his hamstring twice, and from what we're reading, he's going to get a new contract. Uh, that, that I don't understand. I, um Matty James started well, but he only he played 31 games in the end and he got one goal and three assists, which for a guy that takes nearly all the set pieces, um, when Scotty weren't taking him, I don't think it's good enough. Andy Vineman, 10 out of 10, fantastic re-signing. No, no objection to that. Rob Atkinson and, and George Tanner, I think they struggled a bit to get up to the demands of the, um, the championship from a fitness and a a, a games played perspective. They also, uh, Rob got ill, George Tanner did his hamstring once again, twice, I think. So um, I don't think you could give it very high marks. And, and one thing we need to do a lot better in, and you're seeing it is a major differentiator, even between top clubs. Uh, and I'm talking about top premier clubs. And that's our recruitment. We absolutely have to get our recruitment right this summer because Nigel signed eight players, including Tim Close, who he signed in January. Mm. And um, you, you'd have to, and, and the closer, closer was a good signing once he'd yeah. settled down because initially we were still conceding lots of goals with yeah. Tim in the side. Yeah. Let me ask Gary about the, the transfers as well because I think Ian's sort of covered it off the ones in the summer. Uh, that signing of Tim Close, that was a, inspirational signing and I mean he he actually seemed to show some leadership skills on the pitch as well that's something that's been a little bit lacking in City on the field I mean you've played with some leaders in your time probably at Sunderland and at City you had 
Sean Taylor, but we didn't seem to have anybody that was taking control. That's no reflection on Bents in goal. I don't think goalkeepers make good skippers, to be honest, but Kloss was probably, you know, an inspirational signing for City, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he came in at the right time. Obviously, he's got Premier League experience, uh, which helps. And I just think he helped City settle down a little bit. Obviously, went back to, to three central defenders. Um, Rob Atkinson found a little bit of, of form like he showed early in the season, at the end of the season. I thought Robbie Cundy come in and done done really well for someone. He's not a young player, is he? 24 or 25, mm. but um, hasn't had any championship experience. And he's a little bit raw, uh, rough around the edges, I would say. But but I think he coped really, really well and, and added a little bit of strength and physicality to the back line. In terms of going back to the summer, uh, Andy King, you know, like Ian says, injuries, 10 games, I think, was it 10 starts? And not... Not in his prime, let's be honest. Again, carries experience and, and I, that's something I keep hearing. It's a reoccurring theme. It's, it, it appears to be that they need to carry all the players because they're good in the, in the dressing room. But I've always played in teams where your older players are good on the pitch. You know, they play alongside the youngsters on the pitch and they guide them and give the young players confidence playing alongside them, motivate them. I played against Paul uh, for, with Paul Bracewell at Sunderland and you know I learned so much off him but on the pitch yeah he was a leader off the pitch in the dressing room but you want you know you want that experience on the pitch so Andy King and, and closer maybe re-signing some of the talk is around experienced players I'd like to see Bristol City still try and continue to, to find these youthful up and coming players from the lower divisions something that they used to be good at and then um, they've gone away from that in, in recent years and yeah. then to that it's, it's back to what Ian said it's back to what Ian said about recruitment you know and it's been it's been wayward I mean we had the megalomaniac approach from uh, our erstwhile chief executive who I think I read somewhere on a forum the other day Ipswich have already done six new deals for the coming season whether that was re-signings or not but it's not been great on recruitment we come on to recruitment in a minute let's look at some of the positives of 21-22 and I'll, I'll stay with you Gary on this uh, Andy Vyman, 22 goals and 10 assists. That is some record. I mean, that's his golden boot season. He's 31 in the summer, I think. Stand corrected for those that picked me up on statistics. But, you know, can we expect him for the remainder of his contract to bang that number in again? I I don't see any reason why not. And and we're talking about leaders and experienced players. There's a prime example to, to any young player at Bristol City or, or anywhere else of, of how to look after yourself, coming back from an injury, his levels of fitness are unbelievable. Week in, week out, his consistency is amazing. And obviously, he's carried that, that goal threat. He's versatile. You know, he gets on with it. He shows a bit of passion. You, you see him probably once too often getting involved with, with referees and showing his displeasure. But, you know, I, I, I couldn't say anything, couldn't speak more highly of him this season. He's, he's been head and shoulders, Bristol City's outstanding player. Yeah. And I think he's in the EFL team of the year as well, which are... Yeah, and obviously they got an international recall as well. Yeah, it's... You know, I mean, we were talking about the young lads disappearing in the summer. It, I would worry about people coming in for him. Who wouldn't want yeah. to add a 22-goal goal scoring midfielder into the squad? 
I mean, it's it's absolutely right because I mean, when he took that new contract at the start of the season, it was it was a new contract on reduced terms compared to what he was. And you know, if it was three years, it'd take him out to thirty four. But if you're his agent, you're saying, hey, Andy, you know, well, t- tell me if I'm wrong here, having this view, Gary. But your agent's going to say, hey, look, Andy, you know, I think we might get one chance of one payday for you, and you know, a Norwich or one of the top sides. It was good, whoever good timing. Sometimes you get. You know, as you come from an injury, sometimes you can get players when when um, they're not in the strongest position to negotiate and you, a little bit of vulnerability. Am I going to get back to what I was? How am I going to get over the yeah. injury? And you put the contract in front of them and they go for it. And then, you know, as it turns out, he, he, even he might sit there and think, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm getting paid less. I'm worth more now. Well, yeah. he could go out surely he could go out now and somebody said oh somebody, I was chatting this through with somebody the other day and they said oh no no he'll be loyal to the club but you're right at the start of last season he didn't know whether he was going to get his fitness back to like it had been but now you know he's marketable on the basis of one season's results and he could get another new contract and we were talking the other day you know what price you know would City sell at do you let him go because or do you give him a new contract at maybe the terms that he was on before, yeah? And because to replace him would cost more than letting him go, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't think what they won't do, I don't think it's my view. If he's got, what's he got left? A year or two years? Two years. Two years. He's got two years left. Bristol City aren't going to go, here's a new contract for three years, Andy. But Andy might go to Bristol City and say, by the way, um, I know I'm going to XYZ Club, Um you know, and, and, and sort of turn the tables on them and see how they react to that. Yeah. I mean, what, pro- Ian, I'll ask you the same question in a second, we'll talk about it in a second, but, you know, if somebody came in and offered six million quid for Andy Vyman, because you're not going to get, he, he's, he's always scored double figures in goals throughout his career, but he's at his height now, he can get a new contract somewhere. Somebody, somebody could gamble six million, and we'd probably bite their hands off because in three years' time he's going to have no yeah. value, is he, at Bristol City? Right. Uh, no, there's another wouldn't. midfielder. Sorry, and there's another midfielder in, in the league scoring 22 goals. How much would he be worth? 10, 15, 10, 10 in the depressed market. What do you say, and on on Vyman? I mean, I said this I, on. I uh, don't think they they wouldn't take six million for him. Now, if someone wants to test their metal, they come in between. 12 and 15 because that's what a 22 goal championship striker would um, would would, uh, would cost you if you went and tried to sign Pukki from Norwich similar similar type of player I know I know he plays f- further up the field than Andy Vyman has this season because he's been playing in behind two strikers which for me is his best position Um you're talking 10 to 12 million. Now, I know the magic number on Semenyo is about 20. Um, and, and we know that the club has got um, financial concerns in terms of, of meeting financial fair play. Mm. So, um, and, and the, the downside of that is that the UEFA and um, the EFL are rewriting financial fair play. But they haven't told the clubs what it is yet. No, and that's what Richard Gould is. By, that's what Richard the, Gould is angling for. But by the start of June, they'll have to tell them because clubs are going to, because with the season starting July the thirtieth, yeah, 
by the start of June and players are, are out of contract and they're leaving. And, and bear in mind, at the moment, our, my, one of my concerns is we've currently got six first-team centre-backs. Now, by the 1st of June, we could have three. Mm. I'm not counting Zach Viner as a centre-back in that. So we could have three because Dundee and Closer could say, sorry, I've got a better deal somewhere else and I'm off. And uh, Nathan Baker could say, can't do it anymore, lads. I've got to retire. So that could completely change how we think. But we've got to know roughly where we are in order to go out and, and find players and know. Because I think Pearson, we all know Pearson wants to push out the door. But they're on big money, some of them. And it's a question yeah. of, well, if you can't get the right move on the right wages, I don't blame the players for a minute. We're saying, well, no, you're all right, thanks. I'll stay here. Isn't, isn't, if Vyman goes, though, it, I, I, I think it's cloud cuckoo land, Ian, to think that Vyman in the current market, I, I hear what you say about a, a striker that's got that number of goals and assists should be 10 million plus, but selling Andy Vyman for 6 million, it does put us in a position with financial fair play where we could just back away from offers for our other starlets, which are obviously Semenyo and, uh, and Alex Scott, you know, because, and would you sooner Semenyo went for 20 million and you've lost the talent or Andy Vyman, you go for six, but you keep Semenyo. I mean, what, what, what do you say for that? Uh, it, it, do you think Gary Ian's valuation for Semenyo, for, uh, for Vyman? No, I get, is a, is I get the lot. Listen, it's market value and, 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 I would think that's a, a fair assessment of how you'd come up with the figure. Go and find, go through the goal scoring list for championship players and put a value on all of them. And Vyman will be up there somewhere near the top. So yeah. his value would be somewhere near the top. But yeah. I've, I've, heard, I've heard people talking about 25 million for, for Brereton Diaz. Now, I know he's younger than Andy Vyman, but he had a bad injury last season as well. So, you know, surely Andy Vyman's worth. I, I would say he's probably worth as much as Brereton Diaz, but uh, probably a bit less because he's old. But, but you know, I, I think we have to be, we're not in a situation where we have to have a fire cell. And I've had that from Richard Gould. So we're not in that position, but we are, you know, if someone comes along tomorrow and says, right, I'll give you 25 million quid for Antoine Semenyo, He's going to be gone. He's going. No, I agree. But let's are they? Let's not, are let's they? Not That's the question. All right, let's look at uh, let's look at areas of the side. I mean, we've talked about the defence. Seventy-seven goals conceded. I think that's the third worst in the division, and that's why we're down where we were in the in the lower reaches of the table. Um, Gary Ian already said that on paper, you know, we've got some some good players there uh, in defence, you know, and one of those is Thomas Callas. There's no coincidence, though, that we seem to stop shipping the goals when Callas missed the last seven or eight games of the season through injury. And, you know, we've got two, uh, two people doing most of the coaching of defenders. You'd think that we would be better organised at the back. And if anything, we'd be bemoaning a lack of goal scoring with, with two defenders running it, Pearson and Fleming, you think we'd be tight at the back. But we were a disaster up until the last, i say last dozen games, last 10 games. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't lay the blame with Thomas Callas. Um, I think he's a, an honest player. I actually like him. I, 
you know, I, I like him as I liked him as a captain. I was disappointed when he lost the captaincy. Um, and I hope he stays again. Another player, if he was available, he'd be much sought after. The be mm. takers for him, international player. I think the reason, my own view, is that um, there was a there was a sort of point in the season when Nigel Pearson decided to go back to, to or play three centre halves, and City started defending deeper. I felt, you know, that they got behind the ball. I'm thinking about the away wins that stick in my mind. Blackburn. Resilient, you know, patient, not very adventurous at times. Won the game, one nil. Stoke was another good win, wasn't it? Under Stoke, exactly this, exactly the same. Where I, I seen sort of a different approach um, to games, and and the, they're a little bit more solid, and they got a few more points on the board. Mm. Midfield. I mean, we started last season going into the season. This is before Nash got sold, but we seem to have a plethora of midfield players. And, okay, Naj went fairly quickly, but then we got James, we got King, we got, uh, so say, Palmer, Backinson, uh, Alex Scott, and what have you, and Hanoa. I mean, we couldn't seem to get the, the midfield combination right. And Joe Williams out for most of the season or intermittent. I mean, that that's where... Games are won and lost in midfield, really, aren't they, Gary? And then I'll come to you, Ian. Yeah, I mean, uh, Backinson, disappointing, really. I, you know, I, I spoke highly of him last season at times. Obviously, there's a problem there. Went off to Ipswich. Um, Casey Palmer, being at the club, how many years now? How many seasons? Well, we, two and a half, isn't it? Including the loan period, yeah. Just hasn't cracked it, hasn't got position in the team hasn't nailed down where anyone can get the best out of them and just been just been absent really hasn't hasn't had an impact Matty Callum, Callum Callum falls into that category as well, Callum, I, mean, well Callum, I, mean, I mean again I thought those times at the season I thought he was doing he was doing okay got injured didn't come back the same player something going on off the pitch. The biggest disappointment for me is that, and, and we're talk, goes back to recruitment and we're talking about market values. If you're pl- signing players for a million pounds and they walk out the door for nothing, something's not right. Something's not right. The timing of um, the contract offers or just just something. So that that's disappointing. Hanoa, um, in and out, the stats that you chucked about, Matty James, assists and goals, one goal and two assists. That was a big question mark against Masengo. I bet you his figures aren't any better in, in spite no, of... No, they're, they're worse. Yeah, so I'd, I'd probably off the top of my head. Um, no goals, definitely. Two assists. And we're all getting excited. He, he played a ball through in one game and set a goal and we're all getting excited. That should be <laughs> in week out for a, mid, for a midfielder. That's... Yeah. He should be doing that. He should be doing that every week. I mean, it's interesting. Dave Dave Fevs, one of our other contributors, and Neil, who comes on, Neil's taking the view that Masengo is more suited to a European game, uh, you know, and not the way that we play. I don't know whether uh, you'd agree with that view, but that's just a view of Dave's and Neil. They seem to be arguing the toss between themselves on that. I mean, Ian, midfield, it's... It's a conundrum. We seem as though we've got, you know, some players there, but we've never had a settled combination, have we? No, I mean, we've been playing uh, a 3-4 
1-2. And that's a very popular modern formation. Uh, it's the way that Forrest plays, the way Huddersfield play. Um, the problem we've got is we haven't got a two that can play in the middle of that four. And I, I got attracted some criticism when I said, Hans leaving, you know, he's not going to sign a new contract. Um, and we just need to get the most money we can for him because he's one of 15 players that are out of contract in the summer of 23. And they include Bentley, Callas, De Silva, Naki Wells, Palmer. So there's 15 players out of contract there. Now, some of them you say, well, I'm not too worried about him being out of contract, although it is disappointing, as Gary said, when you sign a bloke, not for a million, but 3.5 million, and then you're going to say, well, actually, I'll give him away. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't get away with that in any other business. Um, so I, I got, a, uh, got some criticism for saying I, I, would be, I wouldn't be unhappy if every central midfield player at our club went. Because I don't see a two there, and you'll have to change the formation in order to play three narrow. And on a lot of occasions, I would have played three narrow like we did under Steve Cottrell, which means you'd have, if you want to play three at the back, you've more or less got to go three, five, two or three, six, one. Um, what you're saying there, Ian, is you've got to break up, you've got to break up WSM to have a three in midfield. And then it comes back to the question yeah. as well. I'll come back to Gary on this in a second, but I'll let you finish on there. But if can Scott play in a two? No, I don't, I don't. Well, for me, no, no. Um, I don't think any of our midfield players suit a two because they're either too slow or not strong enough. Now, towards the end of last season, like for the game at Huddersfield, um, as you know, I put a, a suggested team on Twitter most weeks and uh, that attracts some discussion along with the podcast. And I was saying, well, why not leave Chris Martin out and play a, a 3-5-2 and in, in, as a central midfield, you could have played um, Gary's lad, Josh. I'd like to see him get a go because he's a bit taller. He's left-sided. He likes a tackle and he can get up and down the pitch. And we've lacked legs in midfield. We've lacked energy at times. When we played Matty James and Joe, Joe, well, Joe Williams is fine when he's fit and he plays, but he doesn't play very often. Um, that would be my concern. If you're relying next season on Matty James and Joe Williams playing 40 games each, I think you're in trouble. Uh, so I think we need two central midfield players particularly if you want to play two in the midfield and this three, four, one, two. And I can't see Nigel Pearson breaking up the one, two bit because that worked better than anything else. But he's going to, but again, you know, he said he wants to keep Naki Wells, which is interesting. You know, you've got Tommy Conway, who we were both talking to Brian Tinian at senior Reds lunch the other day says Tommy Conway can play the Chris Martin type role. So we don't go for that, that big man, but surely we got to have, the ability, and it strikes me from what you're saying, that we've got the players that can alter slightly the style of play in games, but we persisted with Chris Martin, played almost, well, every minute, every, every if he was fit, he played every minute that he was fit. I mean, Gary, come back to your midfield, and I don't expect you to talk about your lad, because obviously Ian's given the praise there and, uh, and what have you, but, you know, midfield, we seem to have an embarrassment of riches, but 
you know, the, the sum of the parts doesn't equal a, a good combination without breaking up the front three. Oh, it's interesting. I mean, you, you get rid of all the midfielders, you've got a problem. You, you, you've got to start somewhere. Uh, so I think Matty James is, is, is steady. He's a holding midfield player, set player delivery. Again, we get excited about Joe Williams when we see him in flashes. And, but we're always worried about, you know, how many games he's going to put together consecutively. We'd all like to see him have a, have a big run of games, but the, the probability is that he's not going to achieve that. And then it's what you put in alongside that, in front of that, you know, uh, behind that. Alex Scott, I, I think, Cardiff City at home, I think, and the midfield in the second half was Masengo and Scott and the player of two as a two. Mm. They're outstanding. Alex Scott, talk about him getting a transfer. Who's watching him play right wing back? Who's going to buy him as a right wing back? That's, a, that's almost the only place that he's played. So I think that might be the reason why he stays because nobody's actually seen him play. Which is good as well as an 18-year-old. So he's got all those minutes on the pitch. He's toughened up a bit because he's got all oh, those bookings and what have you. He's far tougher than I thought he was. I'll tell you that for yeah. nothing. Yeah, so, but he's, do, he's not disgraced fine. himself there. He's not looked... I mean, playing Sam Bell there was unfair on Sam for a few occasions. And even 100%. Andy... Even Andy Vyman's played in that what's been the problem position for us this season. But, you know, so let me ask you this, Gary, then. Is Alex Scott in your first 11 without fail? Should he start? Well, I, I, he's got to be because of the number of games that he started last season. He, yeah. he, you know, in the stats, he must be up there as, as someone that... But if he's not, if he started off, out of position, if you put him in, is he so good that we build a side around him and then that starts to dictate the overall shape of the side. Well, include, he's, he's yeah. Three seasons in next season, he's, you know, he's, he's got all that experience, championship experience under his belt. If, if that's his best position, please, please, you know, solve the right back position, bring, I think that's critical, get a specialist right back in or right wing back and give the lad an opportunity to show us how good he is, because he hasn't really had that opportunity to play in what I believe is his best position. And um, I mean, the other thing, I don't mind saying, I've got to be careful, obviously. Um, I'd like to see Josh get an opportunity. And on the basis that I watch him week in, week out, and I think he's been consistent for the under-23s, and on the back of that, if, if you're a young player at a club and you're performing consistently well, I think you're entitled to think that you might get an opportunity at some point. And the only other thing that, that does disappoint me is, is when I read Nigel saying that we don't have any defensive midfielders at the club. I think we do, because I think Josh is a defensive midfield player and it's up to Nigel to decide whether he thinks he's good enough to give him an opportunity or not. Yeah. 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 Do you think his career would benefit maybe by having a, a loan to a decent League One club? Oh, no doubt about that, but he'll, he'll go back pre-season, he'll get his head down, hopefully he'll get an opportunity in the pre-season games and then we'll take it from there. Mm. Mm. No, it's, yeah. it's difficult. I mean, Gary, if you had, if you look at the shape of the side, if you were managing that squad now, I mean, Ian said it, what is it, three, four, one, two, and it's a popular combination, he, he said Forrest use it. I mean, how would you set the side up? And, okay, you might say, 
you know, you, you, well, I, I, we need to buy a couple of players here and there. But based on what we've got, how would you set that side up with those resources that Ian says at least six of them would walk into most other championship sides? It's, it's hard because the best three players, you have to say whether people agree or not, I, I think have been the three forwards. You know, mm. scored goals, they're a threat. You keep them three together and, and they score, the, get the same amount of goals next season and City can improve behind them, midfield and defensively, then no doubt about it, they can, you know, finish further up the table. Then you've got to have two holding, strong, disciplined midfielders, I think, um, that can get on the ball and, and keep things nice and tight. And I think the way City, if, if you're playing with them three forwards, three centre-halves is the right thing to do. You know, safety in numbers, if you like. And then Jada Silva found a bit of form. I think the, the right wing-back is, is, is the one that I'd, I'd be looking at and saying that could be somewhere. George Tanner's still young, um, has potential. That is somewhere where City could really, really improve in that position. Look at the midfielders, again, about the, the balance I'm talking about. Lots of experienced players getting a mention. Was it Curtis Davis? He's 37. I mean, if we, the let, if we let Tim Cross go at 35 no, and no, then brought in Curtis Davis, that would just be, that wouldn't be greeted with a lot of support, would it? I, no. no, because City haven't done well with um, older players. You know, we've seen that brunt, even Andy King to some degree, you know. You, yeah. you don't get Danny Simpson. It, it, I don't think it works. So, yeah, um, midfield is an area. Masengo may leave. Um, and then it's what you bring in to, yeah. to Ian, Ian, the, the, the shape of the side, um, you know, do you, do, it's clear that that right wing back or right full back, which are two very different positions, isn't it? Yeah, you know, needs to be done. We've signed the kid, kid, we signed the player. Mark Sykes from Oxford, that's a done deal. And he plays on that right side. It's interesting mm -hmm. that he's sort of, you know, local journalist, this was in Bristol Live, said he's he's good, but he can be quite inconsistent. Yeah, we're also still being linked with a Forest Green player. I mean, mm -hmm. right wing back, right back, is it is it is it a four or is it is it a three? Because that's two different positions, isn't it? Yeah, I, was, um, I, I think I probably told you this story before, Dave, but I was doing a, a coaching course once and somebody, the, the tutor said, oh, we've got a special guest coming tonight. You can ask him questions. I'm not going to tell you who it is. So anyway, we're all sat there and, and we're thinking, oh, it's going to be one of the, you know, local, a local coach from a local club. And Arson Wenger turns up. <laughs> so um, I asked him about wingbacks, strangely enough, and, and fullbacks. And how, how, do you, how do you stop? Um, side scoring goals <laughs> he said he said um, well he said um, you don't do the French accent Ian or I just no I won't we'll be here all day if I do that um, <laughs> he said well he said if you want to stop conceding goals you play more defensive players and if you want to score more goals you play more attacking players and we were expecting him to go on from that but that was it that was the yeah, it's a simple game yeah simple game so I said right okay and we got onto this wing-backs and full-backs. And he said, well, if you're a wing-back, um, you should be 70% attacking and 30% defensive. And your side should be a side that plays on the front foot and you're comfortable in possession, which is a problem we've got because we're not comfortable in possession. We're a counter-attacking team. 
Um, and but he said if if you play a fullback, so you're going to play a back four, um, or even some people might call it a back five sometimes, but a back four, you play it. Uh, you you've got to have a, a defensive player who's 70, 80 percent defensive, but can get forward and cross the odd ball every now and then. So um, I, I think that the we've been linked with, uh, well, Mark Sykes, Oxford fans say he's not really a, a wing back. He's more of a right side midfielder and he can play centre midfield as well. He get forward and score some goals. Um, Kane, Williamson, uh, Kane Williams from um, Forest Green. Uh, we've been linked with a, another young lad at Arsenal who was at Crew on loan last season. But um, when you read this, the, the bios about the guy, he only played six games last season because he had a serious back injury at 20. And the lad that we've been linked with, Andy Rinomotta at Reading, who's a holding midfield player and rated, but he only played 20 games last season because guess what? He had a, a serious injury. Oh, right. Okay. So we just need, with our um, record with injuries over the last couple of seasons, because even this season, when it was a lot better, I'll grant you, but we seem to be going into each international break with between four and eight players injured. And we were picking up serious long-term injuries. Again, you know, you've seen Nathan Baker, uh, Andy King, uh, George Tanner, uh, Rob Atkinson was out for a fair while with injuries. So we, it's, it, we seemed, and that was a lot of the players that Nigel Pearson had signed. Yeah. Um, we never seem to have players that uh, miss a game and, you know, they, 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 well, they get injured and they miss one or two games. I mean, Gary, when, when, when you were a player, and it's not that long ago, but... You know, it is. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> yeah, all right, it is. I was just being polite. I was just being polite. But... You know, you used to if you were if you missed three or four games, you then had to come back in the reserves, as it was called in yeah. those days, and play two or three. Whereas we brought players from injury straight back in full ninety minutes. Sometimes the only one we've treated with kid gloves has been Joe Williams, it would seem. But you know, it, it, is why is there this hoodoo to do to do with injuries and us? We seem to get it worse than most, don't we? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I remember a season I played. 56 games for Bristol City. I played every minute of every game. I did. Didn't, didn't. 96, miss. 97 season that was. I there checked you it are. Out. I don't know if anyone's played anymore in a season. I'd be interested to know. Um, but it's it's sports science, isn't it? I mean, you trust the people that are in charge of the sports science department. They don't play under 23 games, few and far between. You know, if they've got a home game at Ashton Gate every now and again, they chuck a few in to, to get ninety minutes. Mm. But I, I, I don't know. I was I was amazed um, when Joe Williams come back and played consecutive matches, and then I think he got got injured. Everybody on the outside can sort of have a look at that and say that had every chance of happening, and it and it did. But unless you, you you know the the measure um, distances in training, I was on a training ground a couple of weeks ago, and I heard the coaches they were looking at the monitor um, with the GPSs and saying, once it gets to four kilometres, not you know no time on it. Once everyone's done four kilometres, that is it. That is the session over. So they're managing loads, um, heart rates, 
distances that they're covering training sessions, distances that they're covering games. There's all sorts of things going on that that we that we don't know enough about. Um, but it is the the fitness, not the fitness levels, but the injury records at, at Bristol City the last two seasons hasn't been good. And I I don't know if it's been any better actually this season than, than last season was horrific. But um, they've certainly had the problems. This it's season. been it's been a bit uh, it's been a bit better. Okay, look just to to to, uh, to wrap up. Let's let's look forward uh, a, a little bit to the well the, the the championship playoffs coming up. I mean Huddersfield, Nottingham Forest, two clubs. Huddersfield finished below where we are. Uh, where we finished uh, this season and they've gone right the way to the top. They made about a dozen signings, four players on loan, and they've got to the playoff final undeservedly. So against a forest team that had one point after seven games that have come from uh, nowhere, Gary next weekend's uh, final, who, who would you be putting your money on Huddersfield or forest? In well, I said before um, the, the semi-finals, I think the winner of the, the forest Sheffield United game would 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 be favourites. I still agree with that. Um, Huddersfield, I've, listen, they've done really really well. Well coached um, by their their manager, much improved. Um, I think if I had to pick one team, it, it'd be Forest. Cooper's done an amazing job, and I just feel that they've got a little bit more momentum um, and are sort of riding the crest of the wave a little bit more than than what Huddersfield are. And and, and Huddersfield, I think, had the the easier um, game, and, and that's no disrespect to Luton. Luton have done unbelievable. If you want to look at an example of a team that can that can get in the playoffs on a low budget with a good um, manager, then look at Luton Town. Mm. But- okay. and, and Luton, in fairness, had a huge number of injuries, more than us this season. I mean, one of their... I was talking to one of their fans. He said, at one point in the season, we never had a centre-half at the club, not even in the under-23s, not one. We had full backs playing there, midfield players playing there. Uh, so, and I think I'm right in saying they move to their new ground next year. So they might they might be a club to keep an eye on. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think uh, it was interesting with Huddersfield, who, uh, you know, they have. I was listening to the uh, playoff uh, game, and it was talking about how you've got this guy. Is it Corberan, who's the coach at Huddersfield? Yeah. Working very well with his director of football. And it was interesting looking at that list of players that were signed. You know, one of them was Tom Lease, central defender, who we were linked with. But interestingly, I think, what, four lone players. Gary, uh, quick one from you on that, on lone players. Um, do you think that's a good idea? I mean, City was successful with it with uh, Tammy Abraham a few years ago. But, you know, picking up a quality loan player? I, th- I think it should be part of, of any club's model. In, there's so many players in the Premier League now. There's so many uh, international players, young international players. You know, you go to Man City and you go to Liverpool and Chelsea and you do your homework, Tottenham, and they're there. But you, you've got to identify them early. They don't come cheap. Everyone thinks that they come cheap. There's loan fees, there's wages, there's everything to take into account. But I can't think that a, a good couple of young, up-and-coming um, loan players wouldn't add any value to the squad because they would. Yeah, 
Yeah, and if City didn't offer Andy King a contract, but they bought in a youngster, which meant Josh's chances were a little bit limited. But if he was the right player, you'd look at it and you'd think... Listen, it's, a, it's not about Josh. It's, a, it's about the big picture. The bigger picture, yeah. You're going to be part of it. It's not, you know, I, there's a, I, I might sound a bit contradictory here, but, you know, there's an experienced midfield player and, and you know how he is, will nick a goal. Someone like, I've always liked Conor Hurahan. He played on the doorstep at, um, at Plymouth and City never picked him up. He's played in the Premier League. Villa and Barnsley and he's at Sheffield United now, I think, on loan. I'd like to see City sign someone like that. He's a leader, he's a captain. Mm. So that would be a good addition for me. Set player taker. Nice left foot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ian, what do you think about loan market? I mean, Pearson, Nigel says that, you know, whenever he's asked about players, he says, not my department. And we've got Richard Gould, who's a, an excellent chief executive, but he's not got he's not got the network in, in terms of the agents and what have you. And, you know, recruitment, we've all said, you know, we're, we're lacking in that area. It's in not, that I have to disagree there. It's not about, it's, why is recruitment about agents? You've got to deal with agents. That's what I mean. You've got to deal. But yeah. You, yeah. Well, recruitment so, is about the people at the club identifying the players that you want and then making yeah. them go and get them. It's not simple. Yeah. Yes, like it's happened in the past, waiting for an agent to ring up and say, I've got this player that I might quite fancy. Quickly have a look at him on Y Scouting. I'm sure that you want to sign him. You know, you've, you've got to put the hard yards in the and I've said it before, you need people um going to games, you need people, yeah, they do all the video analysis, but it's got to be a good mixture of both. Don't sit, do not sit in the office and wait for the phone to ring, please. Okay, I I didn't mean it quite like that, but you make a very good point about going and watching the games because you can all sit and look at video clips and statistics it should be a blended approach so we yeah. should because lee johnson he used to travel abroad a few times and watch one or two players as well didn't you you've physically got to go and it's like interviewing somebody on a zoom call it's very different to go in and meeting them and yeah. shaking their hand a scouting network you know you have got to have it should be in scotland it should be in ireland it should be in the north and, and there should be everywhere it should be you know in france and in spain and they should have all these contacts identified and, and they should all be working together. Do you no. think, okay, do you think that we have that network? Because Mervyn I don't know. Day, I'm not going to say that they haven't, but I'm just saying I don't know. Because Mervyn Day used to be that coordinator and Rob Newman, he's doing that role at West yeah. Ham in effect, didn't he? Well, everybody at other clubs, and I know heads of recruitment, I was a head of recruitment myself, I worked in the Scottish Premier League. You can identify those people. I don't think that's always... It's always been like a, a big secret. Who's, who's doing the recruitment? Who's head of recruitment at, at Bristol City? I'm, I'm not sure I know. No. Well, no. there isn't. That's, a, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. Well, here, you've, got, you've got a manager that says, not my department, and, uh, and, a, and a chief executive who is high integrity, very good organised, and the right man to be in that position at the club. But that linchpin who has to deal with the agents. You know, it's not waiting for the agents to get on the phone, but that person that Pearson says, I don't do that. That is a position that is really lacking Ian, and maybe can advise Nigel say, look, we really should take this player on. What do you think, well, Ian, on that? First, first of all, on the loans, then yes, you absolutely should do it. And just, if you want, just look at Forrest um, and the players they got on loan. I mean, Jed Spence, he's done so well for them. He's being tracked by Bayern Munich. So, yeah, okay, he's a Middlesbrough player, and perhaps Middlesbrough think, well, hang on a minute, matey, you're not going anywhere. You can come back here in place. It's a different manager to the one that let him out. 
Um, so yes, loans, because if it wasn't for loans in Lee Johnson's first season, we'd have been relegated without Tammy Abraham playing for us. And that's, Lee Tomlin. Uh, yeah, that's a dead cert. So yes to loans. Um, in terms of scouting players, I agree with what, what Gareth I mean, years ago, I mean, Jock Ray was our scout, our head scout for years. And that would involve watching games. But these, and then Tony Forthrop, everyone knew. What Tony Forthrop, yeah. Um, well, Terry Cooper and Clive Middlemass, when they were here, I know that's 40 years ago nearly now, but they used to travel around and go to matches, didn't they? They'd pop yeah. up at Carlisle and stuff like that. I mean, well, in fairness to in fairness to Pearson, he, apparently he was at Oxford the other day and set a lot of lot of hairs running. But I mean, he was. Uh, we were linked with Sykes and we were linked linked with Elliot Moore as a centre half up there. Um, but Elliot Moore's just extended his contract. But the link there was that he played for Pearson twice before at uh, Leicester in Leuven. So. Yes, yes to that. I, I think our, our recruitment, I mean, however we do it, uh, it needs to be hugely better. Uh, well, it needs to be more successful than it was last summer. And, and we're not shopping at it, it, it Chelsea anymore, I'm told. Uh, we're more likely to be seen at Colchester or somewhere like that. And it's more likely Lee. We're at Aldi now. We used to be at Marks and Spencer's. Yeah, you got it. Uh, listen, yeah. we, 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 we got a good bottle of wine from Aldi yesterday. And we're going well, down see, there. If you look, it's there. It, yeah, we're going down there to buy some. So you can get, yeah, we're going to buy half a dozen bottles of that. So you can buy your good stuff uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's down there without no, a doubt. We need, um, to, we need to, I mean, yes to loans and we need to improve the recruitment. But loans have got to be selective you you can't just scattergun it and say right we're going to get two blokes in from arsenal and for no particular reason they've got to be in positions that you need so if you think you need a center forward then you, you need to go out and get your tammy yeah. Abrahams and go into or, or or eddie and ketia <laughs> eddie and well, yeah <laughs> where's he again no, he's he's just about starting to play for them now but no you're right and, and, and Ian, as you said with recruitment it's it's not this, it's not just this summer. This is why this summer is so critical. It's even like next summer, Callas, Bentley and others can walk for nothing, can't they? There's three or four players. Yeah, there's been a lot of attention on hand because he's one of the younger players been out of contract. But he's, you've, you've got Jada Silvers out, uh, Bentley, Callas, Palmer, Naki Wells. There's, there's altogether, there's 15 players. Now, half a dozen of them are younger players and we've got one year option in one of those is Antoine Semenya. So effectively, we've got two years. Uh, Antoine's under contract for two years. We all know that could change tomorrow if the right offer comes. Yeah. And Scott's on an extended as well, isn't he? Alex Scott's here till 25. Scott's uh, 2025, along with Eamon Benarous and Cam Pring. Yeah. So there's, there's no panic around that, but we're like any other club in the country, really. I mean, and it might be, the, the right price might be 100 million if you're Aston Villa and Jack Grealish, or it might be 20 million if you're Bristol City with Antoine Semenyo, but all players are available, you know, at, at any time in the transfer window, subject to the right money. And I, and I don't see that the way the game is now. Um, and there's lots of kerfuffle at the moment around uh, Burnley and Leeds have asked the EFL uh, sorry, the Premier League to investigate Everton in financial fair play. Don't know how they're going to do it. Um, you saw the deal that Kylian Mbappe signed it at PSG. I mean, 
100 million signing on fee, a million quid a week. I mean, that's ridiculous. I, I mean, obviously, I, I couldn't work for that kind of money, but it's a lot of money to some people. Yeah, 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 you could. Okay, guys, it's been uh, it's been an interesting uh, discussion, as I thought it would be. Football's all about um, opinions. Uh, I'm sure some people will, when they play this back, Ian will uh, uh, find reason to criticise you, and uh, they'll probably say what a great contributor Gary was and has been before. Uh, Gary, you got got any big plans for the summer, or are you just chilling out now? Uh, going to chill, really. Hopefully, the season, the new season, will be upon us very, very quickly. With the season starting, thirtieth, like to get out on the golf course. Uh, hopefully, get away for a couple of days. And uh, the other thing that I like to do is just maybe go and watch one or two concerts. So, looking forward to that. Oh yeah, you going to the Elton John one at Ashton Gate? I am. I'm looking forward to that. That should be a good show. Yeah, it should be good. And what about you, Ian? What have you got? Uh, what have you got lined up? I'm going to be watching, uh, watching the cricket and playing some, um, playing some charity cricket with a bit of luck. I'm going to do what I normally do and spend half my time uh, between Devon and Madeira. Oh God, here he goes. It's um, our life. <laughs> it, oh, it's terrible. I'll tell you what. Um, so. Uh, here I tell you, about this for a laugh. I said, well, what we'll do, we don't normally hire a car in Madeira because there's a taxi on every corner, right? So, so let's go and look at hiring a car. We got uh, my son, in, uh, my daughter's son-in-law and the kids are coming over to see us in September. So I said, I'll go and hire a car. Well, it's a wonder my missus never had to, never had to call an ambulance when I come out after seeing those prices. I thought... I thought I was going to need resuscitation or something. Yeah, like. you thought you were buying, hiring a car, not buying a car. <laughs> two and a half, two and a half grand for two weeks. Oh, Jesus, wow! Uh, ridiculous. I said, mate, I'll carry him on my back. You got to do. You can do a lot of Ubers for, for two and a half grand. Oh, not that. All right. Well, look, guys, it's been great. Doubtless we'll be back uh, at the beginning of. Uh, well, I would say the beginning of August. We'll probably have a little. The, the lads will probably be reporting back for training in June if the first July. game is on. I believe the season. So the season that start the last week in July. It is the thirtieth of July is the is the first set of fixtures for this. So they're going to be back at the end of June, I would think, aren't they? To get their normal six weeks in. But uh, Gary, Ian, thanks uh, a lot for your time today. It's been most. As a king, when the red, red robin comes bow, bow, bowing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead, get up, get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, laugh and be happy, what if I've been blue, now I'm walking through fields of flowers, rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours. And I'll, I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Red Red Robin's out, ba 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 along. When Red Red Robin comes, ba 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 along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. 
rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red round was out, bob, bob, bobbing along. 